Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Friday, July 14th, 2023 edition of On Iowa Politics. On the podcast this week, we'll talk about the special legislative session on abortion and all the related happenings since. Plus, Donald Trump picks an odd sparring partner in Iowa. Hello, everyone. I'm Aaron Murphy, the Des Moines Bureau Chief for the Gazette in Cedar Rapids. With me this week are Gazette Deputy Bureau Chief Tom Burton. Hello, Tom. Good afternoon. Lee Des Moines Bureau Chief Caleb McCall is here. Hello, Caleb. Hello, Aaron. We have Sarah Watson of the Quad City Times. Greetings, Sarah. Hello, Aaron. And Jared McNett of the Sioux City Journal is here. Hello, Jared. Good afternoon, Aaron. And finally, Gazette columnist Todd Dorman. Hello, Todd. Howdy. All right, and just for a little kind of a bookkeeping thing here for uh, all our listeners, um, we'll try to avoid the timing pitfall here. But but for your awareness, we're recording this on uh, Thursday afternoon. And so this is before the Family of Leader uh, event uh, all day Friday. And also before uh, Governor Reynolds signs into law the fetal heartbeat bill and the first court hearing on that bill. So as we all talk at you here on this podcast keep in mind that in our uh universe our timeline those things have not quite happened yet we'll have all kinds of stuff to say about those things on next week's podcast let's go back to the big thing this week that is in our rearview mirror uh, and that's the special legislative session on abortion uh legislators met on tuesday started at 8 30 a.m and finished right around 11 30 PM. So about a 15 hour day at the Capitol, um, roughly seven hours of floor debate in each chamber. And um, at the end of the day, it all wound up exactly where we knew it would, uh, with Republicans passing uh, their latest version of the so-called fetal heartbeat bill uh, that seeks to ban abortions once cardiac activity can be detected. And uh, that one obviously is destined for the courts. Again, as we sit here on Thursday afternoon, ACLU of Iowa has already uh, asked for an injunction, and uh, that hearing was scheduled for Friday afternoon. So, so going back to the, the, the day itself, the special session on Tuesday, Caleb, let you uh, kick us off here. Uh, you were there um, all 15 plus hours with us at the Capitol. Wide open question here for you. Anything stand out? Anything surprise you? Yeah, there's a lot to get to. So I can, I'll leave, you know, a lot of things for, for others. But one thing that stuck out to me as this being my first year covering the Capitol is, um, I'm curious what, what some of you long timers would say, but certainly the most uh, emotionally charged and, you know, teetering on violent I've seen. <laughs> and I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. It wasn't really violent, but uh, the most emotionally charged that I've seen um, the Capitol certainly uh, when it comes to um, the protests um, for abortion rights and against the uh, the bill, um, there were you know hundreds of people in the Capitol, long chanting, and, and then also obviously after the bill was passed in the Senate, um, if you uh, there was people in the Senate galleries who were shouting, yelling, um, which didn't happen much during the session, if I if I remember right. The state troopers ended up having to take them out of the gallery, and it happened several times for for a long protracted time and you could tell that that everybody the you know the senators in the chamber were were very upset um but you know the big moment that i think a lot of uh there you saw a lot of pictures of it in uh several um story, uh, stories but were this uh altercation between a anti-abortion man a pastor at a church Aaron i think uh learned and uh another man who was 
protesting, you know, for abortion rights. And this man had started yelling, stop murdering babies at a rare quiet moment in the um, in the rotunda where there were many people um, protesting. And, you know, that got charged, hectic. Uh, people were getting up in each other's faces. And I, I was there watching it, taking photos and videos. And, and uh, nobody got hit, but certainly people were being shoved. And uh, it was it was interesting to see. Uh, it ended up having to be broken up by a state trooper. But yeah, that was you and I just happened to both be right there, Caleb. And I don't even mm-hmm. think we realized it in that moment until afterwards. And we were talking about it and, and looking, seeing each other's like I saw your video and, and like we, we were both very close to what, as that was happening. That was the one moment of the day um, throughout that whole day with a lot, as you noted, a lot of people in the Capitol and people on both sides of this. Um, that was the only moment where it felt like this could this could go off the rails. And, and, and the state troopers uh, got speaking of they got down there. They had been kind of watching things from um, up one floor and made their way down when they saw that unfolding. And uh, fortunately, nothing escalated before they got there, because I will say there was a few moments they weren't right on top of it because they were upstairs. Um, But they did eventually get there, separated that gentleman you referred to, who was a a pastor from a, a church in Pella. Um, separated him from the crowd and 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 things were never quite that tense again. I mean, obviously it was loud, like you said, and uh, a lot of passion there, but never things never again got that close to uh, uh, something unfortunate breaking out. So um, to, to go back to your original question, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. I was talking about this on um, uh, with a, a cable news program that we're talking about. Uh, that is the loudest I, and 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 most raucous I've seen the Capitol in my ten years on the beat. The only thing that even comes close to it, uh, and and Todd will remember the year maybe better than me. I guess it was probably seventeen, right? Because they did it the first year after the election, gave them full control when when the Republicans did the collective bargaining bill. Um, I think they did that. I'm pretty sure they did that in the first year in 2017 because it was while Branstead was still governor. When when there was a, one day of a big uh, rally and protest of that, that's the only day that I can think of in my time on the beat that even holds a even remotely compares to what I saw Tuesday. There was a year that they were having a public hearing on some sort of tax cut policy. I think the Democrats were talking about getting rid of federal deductibility and the gallery filled with opponents of that. And it got pretty raucous and speaker Pat Murphy, he, yep. uh, he ordered the state patrol to, to clear the galleries. Mm-hmm. So that was, I think somebody called someone a Nazi. <laughs> I don't remember exactly. It, it still was, repeats itself. That which, happened Tuesday. Yeah, too. yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Every once in a while, things kind of come unglued. But it sounds like this was a, uh, this was a lot, a lot different, a lot louder. And I mean, abortion has come up over the years, and and it's uh, it's always it always draws a draws a crowd. Now, it wasn't like this in 2018 when they did that bill then. And and I think maybe part of it is, you know, we're in the post Roe versus Wade era now, right? You know, back then, I don't think there was people felt as threatened. People who are against this kind of bill didn't feel as threatened by that legislation then um, as they do now. So so that may be the explain the difference between those two times and demonstrations. 
but yeah, it, it was, it was remarkable. I mean, they were there pretty early in the morning and, and, um, stayed basically through the committee period and, and then kind of finally kind of started to filter out in that lull that we had between committee work and before floor debate started. Some of them stayed and sat through debate, but at that point they were done. But that, I mean, that's a long stretch of a lot of a lot of demonstrations. They were following Republicans around to the different committee rooms and chanting outside, um, uh, vote them out being the most common one. So, um, yeah, it, it was a pretty remarkable scene uh tom how about you what uh now that caleb took the big obvious one uh what else stood out to you uh, uh during tuesday's session the biggest thing that stood out to me was just kind of um how uh lopsided um the representation was um in in terms of um the the, the two sides i mean it seemed you know very clear from watching the 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 demonstrators or protesters in the rotunda and and looking at the galleries um that um the the vast majority of the people who were there were um uh abortion rights demonstrators you know people opposed to the bill protesting the legislation um as opposed to supporters of these new um abortion restrictions you know it, it should be said that there were supporters there of the bill um it's just that um you know it, it, it was pretty clear that they had um a smaller or lesser presence compared to um all of the people who were there to speak out um against this this legislation you know, it's going to be an interesting juxtaposition because, you know, that's going to flip tomorrow uh, when Governor Reynolds signs this bill into law um, at uh, the family leaders uh, leadership summit in, in Des Moines. Uh, the family leader, you know, a, a Christian, Christian conservative group uh, led by uh, Bob Vanderplatz, um, who notably um, has called for uh, Iowa uh, Supreme Court justices. Um, to be impeached for where they fell um, with regard to last month's um, deadlocked uh, Iowa Supreme Court ruling uh, where Governor Reynolds asked the court um, to reinstate that um, 2018 um, fetal heartbeat bill um, that the court struck down, which is why we had this special session um, on Tuesday. Tomorrow is, is going to be um, uh, interesting, um, especially as we look at how um, this issue is going to play um, into the 2024 uh, presidential race. Uh, you've got six Republican presidential candidates who are going to be speaking um, at the event and, you know, expected that this is going to be, um, you know, uh, the topic, if not a big topic or focus of the discussion and conversation uh, tomorrow by these um, uh, Republican presidential candidates. Uh, I was also surprised that at the imbalance and, and, and basically what I mean that by that is the lack of numbers of the anti-abortion, the pro-life um, side that came out to the Capitol. And now, look, I don't take that to mean anything other than what it was. And I, I don't take that to mean that oh. there's 98 percent people in the state that felt that way. And that was a representative sample of the state that I, I don't think that obviously for a second, they knew they were going to get the bill passed. They didn't have to be there to, you know, rally the legislators and give them one last reason to sign. Um, but I, but I, that all said, I was still surprised. I thought I'd see a little bit more uh, of, of that crowd there. And, and there was very, 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 very little. Jared, sound like you well, want to say something. 
Yeah, what like, I mean, some of the most recent polling we've seen for Iowa has been what, like sixty percent in in favor of you know abortion staying legal, and about forty or maybe even less than that uh, opposed. So I mean, you know, not a representative sample like you were saying, but that speaks to that a little bit. Maybe if those polls are completely accurate. Yep. Yeah, and you also heard from um, House Democrats um, talking about um, more than a thousand comments uh, were submitted um, on the bill ahead of um, the public hearing by uh, the House uh, Health and Health and Human Services Committee Tuesday morning, and that um, of the more than you know one thousand comments submitted, according to them and their analysis of the comments, ninety six percent, you know, according to their analysis um, were opposed to the legislation compared to only 4% um, that were in favor. Um, I guess you know, it, it's worth noting, it's hard to, 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 to gauge kind of um, how many were, how many islands are, you know, uh, opposed or support the bill. If you just go based off of the, the comments during the public hearing, just because of the way that um, it was structured, you were, each speaker was limited to um, two minutes, and they limited um, the public hearing to an hour and a half, and um, they alternated pro and con. So you was know, that an even number, the the pro and con? Yeah, and 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 that was and that was you know, that was that was that was by design. So uh, so all that means is there was enough there to speak in favor of the bill to yeah. alternate and fill that time right. period. In, in the Senate side, they did run out of people in favor of the bill and let two or three yeah. more people against the bill speak in a row. Um, so that happened in the yeah. Senate side. I mean, we've seen across the country since Dobbs that support for legal abortion has only grown in, in most places. And I think the acknowledgement by Republicans of that is the fact that they, have, you know, the timing of this legislative session, they're having it in July of 2023. They're probably hoping that by November of 2024, the issue will have cooled, and people will not be as fired up as as they are now. I don't I don't think that's necessarily going to work, but I think they they wanted to get this out of the way. They wanted to do it in a day, and uh, and probably knew that. And I think by doing the immediate enacting clause, I think they also were acknowledging that the court's probably going to put this on hold. I mean, it'd be remarkably irresponsible to make to put this in effect without any rules for how, you know, medical personnel are going to have to deal with this. They kept saying that the the medical board will write the rules well, but the, the bill takes effect before they meet or discuss any rules. So I think those two things they acknowledge is that, yeah, this isn't necessarily politically popular. Let's get it over with now. And number two, it's going to be put on hold and and the court fight is going to be the real main event. Sorry, I would just just note and, and interject that there is, um, I guess, new polling from um, the uh, the Associated Press and um, the NORC Center for, for Public Affairs Research. I guess they did polling last month, which um, anti-abortion group uh, Susan B. Anthony um, points to um, showing that um, in their estimation and according to uh, the new polling from the Associated Press, that 73% um, of Americans, um, you know, think that there should be at least some limits on abortion and, and trying to, I guess, you know, um, dispute or push back 
on kind of the narrative or, or, or the notion that, uh, you know, a majority of Americans, um, you know, uh, support or, or want um, at least some sort of access to um, abortion and, and saying that with um, the overturning of Roe v. Wade um, and throwing the issue back to states, um, they're, they're arguing that, you know, more recent polling is showing that there's, uh, again, according to, the, to them and their estimation, a, a growing uh, population of Americans um, who feel that abortion should be limited um, in, in some form. Now, whether you know, it should go as far as um, Iowa lawmakers um, have indicated or th th that they're willing to, to do. I think that that still remains um, a, a question and a, a point of discussion and debate. You mentioned the Iowa poll. So that that that's that question that Susan B. Anthony Foundation uh, was highlighting is one. But if you look at the the question of should it be legal in all or most cases? It's almost, I did. in fact, it's a little higher than the Iowa poll. 26% um, say legal in all, 38 legal in most. So that's a total of 64%. The Iowa poll found 61%. So um, yeah, that, that, that other question is kind of the reverse of, you, you know, there, there is a very small percentage of Americans who think it should be legal in all cases. Uh, and that's where they get such a, a big number. But when you ask the basic question, should it be legal in, in some or most, it, it gets a very similar result. This bill, you know, it, it's, it bans, you know, basically 85% or 98% of the abortions that are legal now. So, I mean, I, I, I understand the exemptions and that there's six weeks, but it, I mean, it's effectively a ban, an abortion ban for the vast majority of 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 women who would 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 seek a legal abortion. Todd, to um another one of your points, um, the idea of you know doing it now and the elections not till next year, you might not have to pay the same kind of consequences for that at the polls if you're in favor of this legislation and passing it. You know, at least looking at other states, including one that neighbors Iowa, the Wisconsin Supreme Court election was what 10, 11 months almost after the Roe v. Wade ruling last year, and that was entirely fought on the grounds of abortion, more or less, and did not go the way that Republicans wanted it to at all. Now, obviously, Wisconsin's more liberal than uh, Iowa is, but... I was just going to say, during the 2022 campaign, uh, I heard from several Republicans as they were running that they supported uh, putting it to the voters and doing a constitutional amendment. Um, obviously, there wasn't really support for that, uh, or there was more support, obviously, for this reenacting this 2018 law, but I'd be interested to know what they think now about if they, you know, after seeing Kansas and Wisconsin, if they, you know, think that that's not a viable strategy anymore. And Sarah, I love that question. Caleb, do, do you have any thoughts on that or a story that, that Sarah should watch out for this weekend? Yeah, it's very possible that, that there might be a story coming later this weekend. <laughs> Uh, so that I'm question's glad, about right? the uh, Caleb and I have been people well, and Tom's been talking to these folks too. But uh, Caleb and I are, are taking the lead on the story. We're, we're working on something on exactly that where we've talked to legislators, um, uh, we've talked to the advocate folks, we've talked to some elections experts. We're going to explore exactly that. What are the potential consequences in this for the election? And and all of this that you guys that, that Jared just mentioned, that you just mentioned, Sarah, all this plays into that um and, and and at the end of the day it's an unknown you know we can 
analyze and 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 look at past history and other places, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, Iowa, Iowa, Iowa's Iowa, Iowa's different. Who knows what else will be a factor in in next November? It's a presidential election on top of it, so that's going to impact. It. But 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 it, I it, yeah, I think it's an interesting question, and it's one that uh, Caleb and I are trying to explore. I have another question about a different set of um, consequences, and I wasn't paying as close attention to all this on Tuesday, other than being on Twitter and everything. Um, so with the, the new legislation, um, someone who, who goes against that now with the new legislation, what are the, the consequences for someone who violates the law? Is there something in the actual text of the bill that spells that out? So there was there was lengthy discussion about that in debate, um, and Democrats and Republicans, uh, you may be surprised to know, did not see eye to eye on on what the bill said. Um, but uh, Republicans said that okay, so, so, so the bill is worded is essentially it says you know no abortion should be, should be performed after uh, cardiac activity, the steady pulse of the heart uh, can be detected by an abdominal ultrasound. Um, but then it also says the Board of Medicine will create rules to, uh, you know, more detailed rules to enforce that measure. So as Todd mentioned, Democrats were, um, you know, raising question about what, what will doctors be liable for, you know, the day after this comes into law, because there won't be any rules by the Board of Medicine. What, what Republicans said to that is, you know, there are existing laws that allow the Board of Medicine to punish uh, doctors who break any Iowa law. And since that will be Iowa law, even without those rules, performing an abortion against that written, the, the plain text of the law would be uh, grounds for, you know, losing a license. According to the bill and, and the way Republicans explained it, that is, that seems to be the extent of what, uh, of what doctors can be punished or how doctors can be punished is losing a license. Um, there's no criminal penalties for doctors or for uh, women who obtain abortions. And I would just add that the bill does explicitly state that there are no civil or criminal liabilities for the pregnant individual. Right. Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. Um, yeah, that's a great question, Jared. And as, as Caleb said, that was a uh, lengthy, uh, a large share of uh, of the debate. Uh, a lot of uh, uh, talk about that and kind of the uncertainty. And I, and I think maybe circles back to the point Todd made earlier that, you know, look, I, I don't know this for sure. We're kind of trying to get into the mind of, of minds of folks here, but but it would make sense that that maybe the 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 suspicion here, the assumption was this is going to the courts anyways, immediately. We don't have to necessarily worry about there not being any rules. I mean, we never got rules on the 2018 uh, bill either that, that, that never for five years because that got injuncted. So, well, I, but, but it's I think that, that, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I was just going to point out with the 2018 law, though, it didn't have the immediate effective date. Right, it didn't have the emergency point. effective date that 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 this bill did. Good so, law, so 2018 lawmakers passed that bill um, sometime in the spring, um, and and then um, its effective date was July one. And so there was enough time between when they passed it and when it would have gone into law. Um, that the courts um, granted that temporary injunction, and so it never took effect. The interesting question that it raises is if punishment of a medical professional is the only consequence, does that mean if someone who's not a medical professional performs an abortion, I mean, then there's no punishment. I mean, they're, they're not going to lose their medical license. They don't have one. 
and the woman will not i mean there's no consequence there's no punishment for the woman i just i i think that's something that wasn't addressed and it's it's kind of an an interesting issue going forward that that is a very i, I don't think that was talked about at all in debate um i do know the board of medicine can issue fines i wonder if they can issue fines on people who aren't license holders yeah um, they they might be able to i mean that that so could be could the be answer that yeah. you know you're you know you're playing doctor and that right. may not be okay under Iowa law, but I just it was something I thought of during the debate that wasn't addressed. No, that's a really interesting question that I hadn't thought of either. Uh, uh, and maybe there's an obvious answer that we're missing, but that certainly yeah. wasn't talked about during debate. And, uh, you know, just based on my understanding of the bill and the way it's been discussed. And wow, that's a fascinating question, Todd. Interesting. Um, so when we the only thing that was maybe the only bit of drama to this whole outcome was how many Republicans might vote no for this. Um, and as fate would smile upon us, among the rare no votes, some of those Republican legislators fell into our amazing staff's uh, coverage areas. So we have some familiarity with those folks. Uh, Jared, tell me a little bit about Representative deacon and why I, I i don't think i don't know if he's spoken since the vote necessarily but you know enough about him to probably give us an educated guess why he was a no vote on on that bill you know he's a first-term republican from granville and um from our neck of the woods he was the lone member to vote no and his motivation essentially came down to thinking the legislation doesn't actually go far enough um and he's pushed for an out and out ban and kind of intertwined with that um is the idea that this legislation in effect legalizes abortion in, in his um, mindset in some respects. So that was more or less his thought process on, on why he ended up being one of the few Republicans to vote no. And uh, Sarah, Representative Cisneros from your neck of the woods, he probably in that same uh, voting bucket. Yeah, he was uh, among the sponsors for the uh, the stricter abortion bill. So, and he's he's from Muscatine. So yeah, same boat. I would also mention, this wasn't a no vote, but this was also my neck of the woods and it was something that got a lot of online uh, coverage. And that was uh, State Senator Jeff Taylor from uh, Sioux Center uh, citing Horton Here's a Who by uh, Dr. Seuss during his time speaking. And um, I know that struck some folks as odd, but there was actually a reason for that, and it goes all the way back to 2008. NPR had a story called In Horton Movie, Abortion Foes Here an Ally, and it basically talked about how um, people in the anti-abortion community see the line in Horton Hears a Who, um, a person's a person no matter how small, as a kind of um, rallying cry more or less. And you know the, uh, the Geisel family for years has pushed back against people using the Dr. Seuss books for their own political agendas for almost any purpose, but, you know, it happens plenty anyway, including on the uh, floor of the Iowa legislature. There was one more Republican uh, who voted no on the bill, uh, just quickly, Senator Mike uh, Klimish from Spillville, uh, which is up north around Decorah. I, I, I um, am not super familiar with him. I, I've talked to him a couple of times, but I don't, he was not uh, sponsoring any uh, total abortion ban, so I'm not sure if it was too harsh or not harsh enough for him. Yeah, I, and that's exactly what I was just going to ask, if we knew of anyone who was on the other side of the no vote, someone who was just opposed to it. And, and he's one I remember seeing 
Um, I can't remember if there was another one that I, another no vote that I remember wondering about, but he is the one that I definitely remember. Um, former mayor, um, I, I am most familiar with him um, because he was involved in a lot of the traffic camera bills uh, during session. Um, and I think on, uh, uh, and maybe this was last year, he was on the uh, fireworks, regulating fireworks um, and where they can be sold. Um, so I'm not super familiar with his, his thoughts or position on abortion. So I, um, I, I had the same question about him. Well, and it, I'll just note that uh, at least in the House, I'm not sure what the what it was in the Senate, but in the House, um, you had um, 10 absent lawmakers. Mm -hmm. And I, I believe they were, um, at least a majority, were Republicans. So uh, if there were Republicans who were on the other side of this, um, you know, they may have decided just to skip the session to avoid, you know, taking that that controversial vote. Um, I don't know that for a fact. That's speculation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We have no idea why they weren't there. There, there could have been, honestly, I mean this genuinely, every single one of them could have had legitimate uh, reasons. But it's worth parroting, pointing out that, 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 A, that they weren't there and that some of them are in swing districts or are considered somewhat more moderate legislators. Bobby Kaufman wasn't there. He's in a, in a somewhat competitive district. Brian Lolte wasn't there. He's one of, wait, wait. one of the more moderate. Bobby was there. He was? Did he vote? I don't. Are you sure about that? We need some live fact checking. I mean, he was he was he was definitely there because I don't, I, saw, remember, I don't remember seeing his name on the absent vote list. Yeah, I well, apologize. He, he was he was okay. there because he he, he was there um, because I, I ran into him in the hall. Oh. Whether or not he voted, I've, he was, I've he got the vote. I've got the list right here of the absent or not voting. Uh, we've got uh, Bergen, Bloomingdale, Carlson, Dieterman, James, uh, Nif McCullough. Uh, Los, uh, Schulten, Steckman, and Turek. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Bergen's another very competitive district. He's the one um, who uh, literally had to go to court over his victory a couple of years back when there was questions about whether some um, absentee ballots should have been counted. It literally came down to a, a dozen or so votes. So, yeah. And Detterman is uh, from Clinton. That was Mary Wolf's old seat. It's also worth noting, obviously, uh, Jane Blumendale voted no in 2018. So I think she was the only um, no vote from 2018 that was that's still in the legislature. So that okay, would, there you uh, go. We don't know. We, in, in, we, in, in most of these cases, we haven't asked why they were gone. There could be legitimate reasons, but it's fair to raise the question. And I apologize to Bobby Kaufman. First of all, I was going to say, and I think Bobby would be okay with this. It's rare that Bobby Kaufman is around and you don't see him or know that he's there. So I forgot that he was, and I somehow missed him. But I apologize to Representative Kaufman. Okay, go ahead, Jared. Um, one other question I uh, had to raise is, of, of all the weeks that this uh, vote could have been held, is it entirely a coincidence that it was held the same week as the, the family leader event where people will be able to celebrate this kind of legislative victory? Yeah, I've been asked that question, and I mean... Obviously, it's, obviously I, I, it's something I think, they care I, I about. Think, Right. I mean, I, yeah. I, it, there was there was definitely a, a a conscious, you know, calculated decision by the governor to sign this bill at the family leadership summit. Now, whether the timing of that was deliberate, 
I, I think it's a question mark. I mean, I can definitely see this just being a coincidence because prior to the governor um, uh, announcing uh, the, the date for the special session, um, she had just came come back, excuse me, from a two-week overseas trade mission to uh, Kosovo, um, Israel, and uh, in Italy. And, and so I, I think that that, that that you know factored into to the timing as well um and you know trying to find okay what dates do and don't work for lawmakers how many people are going to be available you know for a specific date or a specific week and you know they want to avoid conflicting with um the iowa state fair um that starts up here in in the middle of august and you also have um, legislative conferences in August that lawmakers have already signed up for and have made travel plans, et cetera. And so, you know, the Republican lawmakers that I that I had talked to before, you know, the governor made the announcement to, to call like lawmakers back for the special session, they were saying, yeah, it's going to be sometime in July when we don't know. They, they were thinking maybe it would have been um, late July, you know, before before August. But uh, you know, I, I think it was a situation where the governor got back from her trade mission, spoke to leadership in the House and the Senate, conferred with them about, all right, where do we stand? How many people are going to be available? Found out that we could get the numbers for um, for, for 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 Tuesday, and they wanted to move with this sooner rather than later, and so they just yeah. pulled the trigger. Yeah, I, I think that's the most likely, too. It is an interesting question, Jared. I think Tom laid it out pretty well, and then and then it just kind of worked out that, oh hey, yeah. and if we do it here, we could also I, then take that to Friday and and sign it there. So, I have one other question, uh, Aaron. Um, is there anyone who's not going to be at that event on Friday who might be a, a major absence, perhaps? Oh, the family of the any of the presidential candidates. Do yeah, may, maybe one of one of those kind of people. Yeah, yes, yeah. And speaking of, uh, thank you for the beautiful segue, Jared. <laughs> uh, so again, reminding uh, folks that uh, this is tape free family leader, uh, but that's okay because we have some Donald Trump related news to talk about, uh, even without uh, his snub of the family leader, which he, by the way, did decide not to do, and instead is coming to Cedar Rapids next week to do a. Uh, town hall, uh, Fox News town hall with Sean, Sean Hannity. Um, so instead of Tucker Carlson and the family leader, he's doing Sean Hannity and Fox News. But the other interesting thing that happened uh, this week with former President Trump is his decision to, you know, start a little social media uh, shenanigans. Tiff, a spat, a um... tiff. <laughs> yeah, with uh, Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds. Uh, she of the massive popularity within the uh, party that will soon be choosing the Republican presidential nominee. Safe to say an interesting strategy. So this goes back to, it starts with a New York Times story that published last weekend that reported on some internal goings on and, and, and former President Trump being frustrated that Governor Reynolds has not flat out endorsed him in this primary, even though- uh, He got her elected. Yeah, as the yeah, reporting even, said. Right. Even though he got her, yeah, claimed claimed credit for her 2018 victory. Um, uh, and and uh, even though I, Iowa governors have always remained mostly neutral, 
in the caucuses. He was upset that she's not uh, endorsing her. And also there's some sentiment, uh, according to the Times' reporting, within the Trump campaign that even as the governor is claimed to be claiming is not endorsing Trump and claiming to be neutral, that she's uh, kind of um, sweeping the carpet and rolling it out for Governor Ron DeSantis of, of Florida. Which we Feels talked like about on Friday, last Friday. Right, right. Yeah, yeah as, as we noted here on the podcast, loyal listeners will know. Forget the times, we really broke this story. So anyways, that time story published over the weekend. And then as a, on, on Monday, or no, it was Tuesday, wasn't it? Because during the special session, uh, uh, or was it Monday? Maybe it was Monday. Anyway, when, when, when it was announced that he wasn't going to make it to the conference, you're no, saying? when he went to Truth Social and... Uh, that was Monday, yeah. That was Monday. Okay. Yep. Okay. So on Monday, he went to Truth Social, which is Trump Twitter, and um, expressed his frustration uh, uh, and again, claiming his influence in Governor Reynolds' uh, victory. That has not been super well received. In oh, Iowa, in, the, <laughs> in Iowa Republican circles, including I just uh, literally just before we turned the record button on here not too long ago, we saw that uh, one Iowa Republican senator, Senator Jeff Reichman, has switched his endorsement from Donald Trump to Ron DeSantis specifically because or in reaction to um, the governor going or that former president going after Governor Reynolds, or which he was called by a, a Trump spokesperson weak need and lily livered. Um, that's right. First of all, side note, Lily Livered, we haven't heard what that a throwback. since a Bugs Bunny cartoon. I mean, that is fantastic. Uh, 10 points for uh, Hufflepuff on that one. That, that uses Lily Livered. I don't even know what the question is here, gang. Does it, I mean, I, I, I tweeted this out the same day a lot of this was going on on Monday, and I'm just parodying myself, but I, this whole idea of trying to fence it with Donald Trump and remain neutral if you're a Republican official is pointless because he perceives neutrality as hostility and he'll go after you when you're neutral. And if you decide to openly attack him and you're a Republican, he's going to do everything possible to make your life a living hell. So this idea that you can just coast by and never say anything about him at all and just walk in at the end and say, I, I supported you the whole time. He's he's made a thing over and over again about this. And we're in a third cycle of him running for president. There there is a history there that is safe to say. We do have we do have data. I think his core base of support supports him because he rankles sort of the Democratic or the yeah, Republican establishment. Yep. So for all of these, you know, lawmakers and and strategists and, and people that are sort of coming after him on this, I I don't think he cares. I mean, I think his his people, you know, like the fact that he well, is even though maybe they voted for Governor Reynolds, they I mean they're they're active in Republican politics because of him. And so I think I don't think that's gonna hurt him. And as we've talked about before. The more that you know, people in the Republican Party go after him now. The more, again, he can say that he's an outsider, even though he's literally the president for four <laughs> years. And the more he can say, "Look how unfairly I'm being treated by these people." Yeah, I, I do I wonder not, though. I, I'm I'm sorry, really quick, because it may sound like you're going to disagree with me, Caleb. I don't know this this hurts him 
either because the his hardest core supporters for sure um are gonna stick with him um and 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 only if they care about governor reynolds at all only do because they heard donald trump say something about her at some point along the line and how great she is and and look there's a lot of Iowa republicans who are upset about this and a lot of them who are talking about it i'm guessing the vast majority of them were not donald trump republican likely caucusers in 2024 anyways i i think i feel like this still fits in the in the same conversation we've had every after every other time Trump yep. does something do, or something happens to Trump. Like I, I do wonder if um, you know, I, I do agree that him being perceived as an outsider and uh as being attacked by the establishment um, you know, definitely increases support for some people. Um I wonder though what 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 effect it would have and whether it would um it would hurt him if and and you know, I don't I'm not trying to read anyone's mind here, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if I was top Republican electeds are, they, they wouldn't complain if, if Trump wasn't the next uh, Republican nominee. Um, and so, you know, if, if they, if, if this was the, the step too far and they kind of united against him and, and, you know, either endorse somebody else or just, uh, you know, openly criticize him over this, which nobody has, um, whether that would, would, would lose him some support. Um, and maybe it wouldn't, but I think, you know, as, I mean, obviously Governor Reynolds is, is very well liked among Republicans. Um, whether that pressure would, would, would do something, I don't know. Well, yeah, Trump I mean, you, in 2016 you... went on to win the nomination without winning Iowa. But at that, you know, at that time, you had different expectations. He was, you know, a businessman, whereas now you're the former president. So if you do poorly in Iowa, that's just all the headlines are going to be like, former president, blah, 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 does terribly in Iowa, even though maybe he got second by not, you know, not did similarly in 2016. Yeah, sorry, just to piggyback on that really quick, because I had a similar thought. It's it's easy, especially for us, to forget that the nomination process does not end with Iowa. It, it just starts with Iowa. So regardless of what happens to him in the Iowa caucuses, it may be also interesting to think about how this kind of stuff is playing out as other states are watching, as other early voting states are watching. And maybe they don't care about Kim Reynolds, but they may be seeing this and be saying to themselves dude is trying to take down a really popular governor in another state you know i, I don't know I, I don't know i i don't know this but I, but I think it's an interesting thought to consider how what's happening now uh with stuff like this is playing in other states where um it, the, the decline may be a little bit harder for the former president than it here is here in iowa i mean there's no way he's going to get a majority of caucus votes i mean you know he he He's not that popular. I mean, he's popular enough, but you know, it's he's he's going to need like thirty percent. I mean, thanks to the fact that there's a cast of thousands running for the Republican nom nomination, he's got a little more room to operate. I, I suppose it could push Reynolds in the direction of DeSantis. I think it's already clear that she's she's a, a, an admirer of the Florida governor and appreciates what he's done and has and has sort of in many ways mimicked his agenda so I, I mean that would be the possible downside is that she could help DeSantis do better than expected because right now the expectations for him are, are sort of plunging that's true Ron DeSantis you're talking about yeah yeah any any final thoughts on Trump v Reynolds uh, the unexpected uh battle of the week it's a bold strategy, Cat, and we'll see if it works out for him. 
<laughs> seems to have been a common theme on this podcast to uh, th- that line has come in handy several times well I, and you know you, you you keep thinking something's gonna happen and it's you know the tide's gonna turn and but it, it just it never does so i'm tired of looking at stuff and saying okay this is it he, he made a he made a big mistake this is gonna this is gonna hurt him because it just doesn't i mean the guy's under indictment he's been impeached twice i mean i don't know fighting with kim reynolds may not may not be the worst of his problems well and, and one, one one interesting tidbit i would i would add to that is it seems like uh trump tried to uh smooth things over a little bit um by um uh, uh paying for uh barbecue lunch and a uh, catered barbecue lunch and dinner uh for uh republican lawmakers on tuesday during the the special session as a a, a, a showing or sign of solidarity with uh iowa gop lawmakers as they were um you know going about passing these new abortion restrictions but i don't know you look at that and definitely seems like trump trying to maybe smooth things over a little bit but now you did it, Tom, and I don't know if you did it this intentionally because you know I've been talking about this, but you just set me off and now I got to do it. Tying together a couple of things we've talked about here, the political story that reported on Senator Reichman changing his endorsement from uh, Donald Trump to Ron DeSantis. Caleb mentioned the Lily Livered quote. The other thing that's, that, that the Trump campaign alleged in that political story is that maybe the DeSantis campaign is trying to buy off Senator Reichman's support, which is spectacular, given what we just were also told that President Trump bought literally the whole Iowa State House Republican caucus lunch uh, during the special session Tuesday. Well, there needs to be a follow-up on as if he actually paid for it, because he's also got a history of, of Did- leaving unpaid bills. It was it was it in. Do we know he in here somewhere? Yeah, he, he, he said he was going to buy everyone lunch at this place after he got arraigned, and uh, it turned out he didn't he didn't buy anything. So he just he just meant that lunch was available at that location. He was just informing <laughs> yeah, everyone yeah, there. That's it. He's just pointing out the menu. Oh, God help us all! All right, that seems like a good point to stop. Uh, another good podcast for the books, and obviously stick around with us. Uh, so again, like we said, we had to tape this Thursday afternoon. So next week we'll be able to talk about the family leadership summit, uh, the bill signing on the fetal heartbeat bill. The the uh, Tom's going to cover the um, the hearing, the first uh, court challenge uh, to the bill, um, and uh, we'll have President Trump's town hall um, uh, on Tuesday as well. So uh, we've already got a full agenda for next week's uh, slate, and uh, we're not uh, even into the weekend yet. So. Oh, so stick around and, and come back with us. Uh, but that's it, that's it for this edition. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. If you do, tell your friends and subscribe to us wherever you find your podcasts. Now that you've listened to the On Iowa Politics podcast, I want to remind you to make sure you're subscribed to the On Iowa Politics newsletter, where every morning in your inbox, you'll receive all the latest politics and government coverage from our team. You can subscribe to that free newsletter at the Gazette's website, thegazette.com. And lastly, don't forget that the work of everyone you heard here today can be found on the pages and websites of the Quad City Times, the Muscatine Journal, Cedar Rapids Gazette, Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier, Mason City Globe Gazette, Council Bluffs Daily Nonpareil, and the Sioux City Journal. 
insider story here pulling back the curtain every time i do that most weeks when i read that part i have to keep from laughing because i see jared in the background popping back and forth to the beat as i flipped all those papers off <laughs> All right, Tone DeBoss will play us out this week. If you know an Iowa band or musician who should be featured on the podcast, please send us a sound file. For Tom Barton, Caleb McCullough, Sarah Watson, Jared McNett, Todd Dorman, and our producer, Bailey Jeon, I'm Aaron Murphy. Thanks for listening. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.